Blog Talk Radio. Understanding, reckon the number of the beast. For it is a human. Its number is 666. <laughs> it is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. So turn off your television set, turn them off now, turn them off right now, turn them off and leave them off. Turn them off right in the middle of the sentence I'm speaking to you now. Turn them off! Well, if you want the truth, go to God. Because that's the only place you're ever going to find any real truth. Ladies and gentlemen, the Network News Hour. With the soothsayer. And here's the skeletons in the closet. Tonight, another segment of Vox Populi. And starring the mad prophet of the airways, ladies and gentlemen, let's hear it. How do you feel? Ladies and gentlemen, the network news. Praise the Lord. Oh my goodness. God bless you, everybody. You are listening to the Neptune Diaries, and this is J.D. Hop. God bless you all. God bless you all. This is the day that the Lord has made, and you know what? I'm going to rejoice, and I'm going to be glad in it. And that's just all there is to it. That's just all there is to it. Hey, do you realize that today is the best day ever? Do you realize that that you're alive for another day to proclaim the worthiness of the Lord and that he has redeemed you? You have another day to shout the good news from the mountaintops. Father God, we just come before you today. We lift up your name on high, Father God. We just give you all the glory, Lord. We just come before you and we would ask, Lord, that you that you would just be with us today, Lord. Protect us, Lord. 
Minister to us with your spirit, Father God. We just pray that your word would come alive to us today, Lord. That you would just let your will be done in our lives. Father God, we pray that you would use our mouths as an instrument to proclaim the truth. Lord, that you would just use our mouths to proclaim light in a dark world. Lord, we love you so much, Lord. We know that you're coming soon. We know that you're coming soon, Lord. Let us just be prepared, Lord. Let us pray always so that we are considered worthy to escape these things that are coming, Lord. We ask these things, we believe for these things, and we receive these things in the name of your Son, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, i got to tell you that I've got a new little routine, or not a new routine, but something that I've incorporated into my new morning routine, which is I listen to a couple of Ron Canoli songs. Right? So I get up, and this has changed my life. And you're talking about somebody who has been resistant to change since I began my walk with the Lord. And this is the only thing that has even come close to harnessing me and, and, and getting me to bend my knee consistently, consistently. I've never been really consistent in my walk with the Lord before. It's been off and on and off and on and spurts and spurts and running and coming back and, you know, this continual ebb and flow, all of my own doing, all to my own, you know, all my fault for for for. For sure, no question about that. However, what I've realized is that, you know, the Lord, the Lord had no problem letting me run down those paths. And I've realized after coming back uh, that all those things are tools now. They're, they're actually, you know, what apparently seemingly was a weapon of destruction in my life has now become a weapon, right, of healing, right? So all of my partying and all of my chasing women and all of my sinful behavior, man, I'll tell you what, I have changed that around. The Lord has redeemed all of it. And you ask, well, how? Well, because people who are in that same boat, I can relate to those people, and a lot of those people feel the same way that I did, like much like the Apostle Paul did, where, you know, we're the worst of the worst. I cannot tell you how many times I've heard people say that in reference to themselves, the worst of the worst. The good news is this, is that Jesus came to die exactly for you, the worst of the worst. He came exactly for you, worst of the worst. Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord for that. I'll tell you what, praise the Lord. So way back in the day, during one of my, you know, my sprints with the Lord, one of the times when I was, you know, hiding under the shadow of his wings, I was over in Papua New Guinea. And But prior to that, I had learned about this guy, Ron Canoli. And I'll tell you what, if there's one person that I've ever heard in my life, it's just absolutely phenomenal. It was just absolutely beyond compare. It's Ron Canoli. This guy, I'll tell you what, it's as if angels, it's as if the Lord has come down and jumped inside this guy and was singing himself. 
And I've got a couple of of songs that I've incorporated into my routine, my daily routine. I'm going to share them with you. I'm going to share them with you today. This is the one that I get up with. I love this. This just boggles my mind. It's called Praise the Lord All Nations. Enjoy it. Yes, yes. Now, for here at Jubilee, we probably represent every people group on the planet. I mean, if you look around at a choir and look around at those folks who raised their hands just a little while ago, you know, you'll know that, that we're every different color and every different racial group and whatever. And so we represent that, the nations of the world. Amen. Hallelujah. We represent the nations of the world. And so tonight as we sing this next song, which is one of our favorite songs here in Jubilee, it says, Praise the Lord, all nations. Hallelujah. He's delivered us. He's brought us out. Hallelujah. He's, he's saved us. Yes, he has.
Oh, that's the best. That's the best song ever right there. You guys right there. Praise the Lord. Oh, Lord, you are are worthy to be praised. You are worthy to be praised, Lord. Your mercy endures forever. You are the Lord of glory. Praise the Lord. I'll tell you what, that song just puts me in the right spot. I'll tell you what, people, time is short. You have no idea. You know, I had a, a frightening thing happen. Well, not frightening, but sort of alarming helped me to understand the times that we are in, and that is I spoke with somebody about 25 years old and asked them if they'd ever heard about Jesus. You know, this is an American who grew up in New England, and they said, no, nope. No, they said they knew that he was the you know, the the guy from the Catholic Church. Imagine that. That that that's it. They haven't they haven't had a street preacher. Not a not their mom or dad, no family member, nobody. I thought, Wow. Wow, we've actually dropped that far off. And you know what? Here's the the, the trippy part. Uh we have become so distracted. See, the world says entertained. I say eyes wide open, distracted, right? Distracted. My sister loves to play uh, scramble. You know, it's like scrabble or not scrabble. I don't know what it is. It's it's like jumble. That's what it's like. And, or boggle. That's what it is. But, you know, we play it. And I don't spend time with my sister, but we play that game. and, And, you know... I know people who, who all they do is play those games. They distract themselves between their games on their phones or their iPads or whatever it may be to their video games, to a movie, to a date, to work. And they have officially, there's no time for God. Where's the time for God in your life? Are you making time for God? Are you making time for God? And I mean literally feel guilty right now, feel shamed, feel convicted, whatever. I don't even care. I'm asking the truth. I'm asking truthful questions. Are you making time for God? You better be. I'll tell you what, because when he comes back, you know, the question is, is uh, it's not going to be, oh, I believed in you, Jesus. No. He's going to say whether he knew you or not. Now, can you honestly tell me? Or, you know, tell yourself, ask yourself, does Jesus know me? Does Jesus know me? If you're not sure of that, you better double time. You better hop to it and, and get cracking because the time is short. If you're not paying attention right now because you're distracted because of words with friends and, you know, angry birds and, and, and uh, the new Twilight stuff or the latest funny show TV, ha ha or Star Wars, or whatever it may be that you're distracted to, uh, by basketball, the Final Four, football's coming up, oh, baseball, baseball, baseball. What are you distracted by? Are you making time for the Lord? You know, I spent my whole life as a person who said they were a Christian. 
And I genuinely believe that I was because the Lord got to me early when I was a kid, right? When I was a very young child, you know, 11 years old-ish, if not if not even before that, to be honest with you, because quite frankly, it's all a blur. When I look back on it now, I realize that I've been in his hands the whole time. You know, even more mind-blowing is I believe that I've been in his hands since before the beginning, you know? I'm starting to understand that the Lord sent me here on a mission. You know, I'm one of the people, one of the elect, one of the called. All throughout the generations, the Lord has sent, you know, literally called and sent his people here. Think about that. That's mind-blowing. He has sent you into the fight. He's called you. He's commissioned you to go into the fight, right? You're, 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 you're James Bond for the Lord, whoever you want to be. You, you, you are, you're an agent of God. If you're not taking your relationship with the Lord or your beliefs seriously, if you're just one of these nominal people or if you're still trying to get a little something-something in this world before you die, you better, you better take the time to rethink your, your whole world and get into the Word of God. You know, I am one of these people who I'm very clever, I'm smart, I understand the system, I see how it works, and I can tell you that when I became a Christian when I was a young kid, I, I don't remember clearly exactly. I know that I read a lot of the Bible, I know that I went to quite a bit of church, I know that, you know, I, I spent a considerable amount of time thinking or meditating or however you want to put it, concerned about the things of the Lord and, and it's been throughout my life I certainly have run and partied and backslidden and chased women and chased after the worldly things there's no question I've been Jonah I've been the prodigal son uh, you know over and over again in my life and one of the things that you know I've relied on these clip notes of the Bible where I just had the highlighted verses you know the ones the, the, the catch ones the ones that I could hide behind and I never actually went and read the whole Bible before, right? I'd read bits and pieces of it. I understood it overall. I'd listened to a million sermons. I agreed with many of them. I understood the basics and whatnot. And I could talk like a slick salesman and tell you whatever. And I certainly knew the things of Revelation. I knew, you know what's scary is I knew the things of the Antichrist. You know, I knew that story backwards and forwards. But it wasn't until the Lord grabbed a hold of me and had me start to read through the Psalms and Proverbs on a daily basis. I read through the Psalms and Proverbs on a daily basis, right? If you want to get cheeky and you want to think and, you know, be conspiratorial a little bit, if you rightly divide the Word of God, for some reason, the Lord saw it fit to have the Psalms placed right in the middle of, of the Bible, you know? divided. What divides the Bible is the Psalms and Proverbs. It's not necessarily New Testament Old Testament, so I don't look at it like that. But regardless, I've been reading Psalms and Proverbs for a long time now. I read five Psalms and one proverb every day, right when I get up. What I've come to understand, and after now, after I've read through them a, a ton of times, and I've I'm, I've read through the Old Testament, and, and I have a 
a really good understanding of what's going on. Not only what's coming our way, but what's going on. You know, basically the Bible is a recurring story of your life, my life, and everybody's life. And there are two outcomes in the end. Either you, you're welcomed in as a good and faithful servant, or you're banished and, and, and you're cast out from, from the presence of the Lord. So you can either choose in these moments, these waning moments, and i got to tell you people, the whole Bible, if you look at it, you know, depending on how big your font is, you're looking at 1,500 pages-ish. And you know what? We're in, we're in the last 15 pages of the, of, of the story. We're sitting there in the middle of the last 15 pages. No one's exactly sure right where we're at, whether we're in the middle of the tribulation, whether the tribulation hasn't started yet. I testify to you today that maybe because we were born into the pot of boiling water that we don't understand the temperature. I submit to you today that maybe these are the end times. Maybe we're there. Maybe we're there. Maybe we're smack dab in the middle of it. Maybe we've slipped into that seven-year tribulation and because we're desensitized because of this bombardment of media and entertainment, maybe we don't understand the hour. The hour is late, people. The hour is late. If you look at the world, if you take your head out from Facebook and out of Twitter and out of Instagram and whatever it is that you're looking at, and you look at what's going on in the world politically, and I don't mean, oh, Republicans and Democrats, I mean geopolitically. The world's prepping for World War Three, Right here, right now. And the thing is, is you're so distracted that you don't know. You think everything's cruising along, humming along just fine. Well, you know what they did? See, America is the pulse of the world. Hollywood and, and our media system, this beast media system we've created, it beats with the... It is the heartbeat of the world. So as the world goes, as we go, so goes the world. And however you want to look at it, if you look at it truthfully... They've erected this house of cards and it's about to fall down. Matter of fact, I believe that they're, they are about to kick it down. But what they don't understand is that the Lord is puppeteering them. They're just instruments. They're just actors on a stage. A, this grand stage that the Lord has set before us. And we're part of it too. We're actors also on this grand stage, playing parts. One thing that I do understand is I believe in predestination, but it's a funny thing. I don't necessarily understand how it works. But what I do know and what I believe is that the Lord is outside of this, of space God, so he, he's not locked into this time-space-time continuum. And somewhere outside in that eternal ether, whatever it is, the Lord saw that in, in our timeline, in our little box, 
that you chose him somewhere along the line. So before time, he chose you. Do you understand? So choose to be chosen, people. Make a choice for Jesus. If you're hearing my voice right now, and you're hearing the words coming out of my mouth, take this opportunity and say, Lord, I choose to be chosen. I choose Jesus. Lord, Jesus chose me. Jesus chose you. If you're hearing this, he chose you. He's giving you an opportunity to be chosen. Do you understand? You have to make a confession for him. For those of you out there who are listening who have made a confession for Jesus, but you're you're dancing with the things of this world. Listen, I don't know your fate. I can only speak for myself. What I'm understanding and what's going on in my life is I'm washing my robes clean in the blood of the Lamb. You know? Some people want to sit around and think it's this magic thing that God's going to do all the rowing for them and get them going and give them jet planes like the preachers that they see on TV, but that's not the reality. That's not the reality at all. You know, I have a part to do, a cross to carry. There are things that the Lord has left unto me, up to me to do. And I've had so many arguments with people about grace and this, that, and the other thing. And the bottom line is, is, just get right with the Lord. Stop stop letting your heart and your will and your ego get in the way. The Lord wants to purge you. You know, the Lord speaks to me through these silly analogies. I don't know if they're silly, but they they seem silly to me, right? Because I'm a I'm a child and I'm simple. But one of the pictures that the Lord has thrown into my brain is that you know, the, it's time to go home. Right, and and you've come home from a, from a day out or a long day or whatever, and you're dirty, and the house is spotless, and you've picked up a lot of junk on the way, and Dad wants to give you a bath. Matter of fact, he needs to give you a bath because there, if you cannot get into the house dirty, so you have to let him wash you. You know. And what what I was, is I was this banshee, crazy child running around like a maniac with the Lord chasing after me, trying to spray me down and clean me off so that I could get in the house. And I would run, you know, or I would break out of the house and go get dirty. You know, I've lived a rough life, you know, willingly. But I understand the purpose for it now. You know, that rough life has led me right here to this moment. Speaking of the good news, you know, preaching the good news, telling people, sharing the word, getting myself organized, understanding that I'm a guy who needs a savior. See, before I didn't understand that. Before before I did not understand that concept. I understood it intellectually about, you know, it's the sick who need a doctor and all that business. But I, you know... Becoming a Christian so early, I didn't understand that I needed to become sick in order for the the healer to come in and heal my life so that he could heal me and that he could use me to heal others. you understand? I didn't understand it. I didn't understand how people could get so low, let themselves get so low. I didn't understand the power 
of the enemy. And Alcoholics Anonymous, they say alcohol is cunning and baffling and powerful. They say it's a foe that is cunning and baffling and powerful. Well, I submit to you that the devil is subtle. He's the same. He's cunning. He's baffling. He's powerful. You might roar around thinking you're all tough in the Lord at a certain moment in your life and whatever, and the next thing you know, you're flat on your back looking up saying, what happened? Because these are the snares that so easily entangle us. It's all all throughout the Bible. The Bible's specific. It doesn't say if you fall into sin. It says It says you will. It says you will. You know, and what do you do about that? You just have to go confess it to the Lord and take a, sh- you know, have Him hold you down. Go read Psalm 51. It tells you all about it. You know, I have to get hosed down daily. Daily. My flesh is strong. You know, it's a process. Didn't happen overnight. It's taken a long, long time to even begin to want to tame my flesh. Do you understand? Took took decades of entertaining my flesh until I fully understand that there was nothing to entertain. It was empty and hollow. I chased all the women. I did all the... I engaged in all the debauchery. I chased after the money. I went crazy. I did live a life. You know? I partied all the way through. And you know what it got me? It got me saddled with sin that I had to untangle and deal with. You know, it got my... It got me all wrapped up in knots and the sin that so easily entangles. And now I've got to go through the process of of the of the cleanse. You know, the cleanse. you got to come to the cross. You know, I used to think, oh, well, Lord, forgive me of my sins. And I would just do like this blanket statement. But after the Lord grabbed a hold of me and really got me down into the Psalms and Proverbs and, you know, praying and spending time with him and getting to know him and praising him and doing all that business daily I understand and what he does now is is, is, you know what I can't speak for you but I can only speak for myself but the Lord reveals stuff in my life that has happened all throughout my life and he'll bring up these horrific memories you know will splash across my mind before they would torture me and now I understand there's a process that you go through to get rid of that you know, oh, Lord, I remember that. Lord, forgive me of that sin. I repent of that sin, Lord. I ask that you remit that sin in the name of Jesus and by his blood, Lord. And I ask that you forgive me for that, and I accept your forgiveness for that sin. Ask the Lord. I'm telling you, test the waters right there. Ask the Lord, you know. Ask him, say, Lord, is there anything in my life that's unconfessed? You know, it might be the smallest thing, but you know what? And I'm not saying, oh, well, whatever, and da-da-da-da, and you have to go through every single sin and confess it. That's not what I'm saying. I'm telling you what's going on in my life, okay? I'm telling you that when I think about the time when I stole something or treated somebody, somebody bad or, you know, did something sexually inappropriate or whatever it may be, when those things come to mind, I take those thoughts captive to Christ. And if it's something that is in my heart and I need to repent of it, so be it. I just do it. I don't, you know what I'm, I'm getting better at doing? I'm not fighting anymore. I'm getting better at taking my heels out of 
from being dug in. I don't like being told what to do. I don't like discipline. It's not enjoyable to me. But it's necessary. You know, I first went over it with YWAM and did a a DTS, a discipleship training school with a group called Youth with a Mission. YWAM, Y-W-A-M. And I went over to Papua New Guinea and I went as far away as I could possibly get. And I was in the jungle in this place called Mount Hagen. And it was the best time in my life, you know, looking back. But that was a time that I separated myself for the Lord. And that that was a time that I started. You know, that was just one leg of my journey. I started to see things there that I did, I, you can never see here. And that is people with with nothing are happier than people with everything. I went over there the first time to do missionary work and then after that I went back a bunch of times not to do missionary work but to try to do a you know to build a business and whatnot. The Lord did not allow that I have to tell you but I learned lessons. Those people live simply and they understand the Lord much better than we do. So everything we have here, we build ourselves, and we've created our own little temporary kingdoms, and, you know, we live in these man-made synthetic boxes. We create these, we rent these little prisons. And those people over there, a lot of them, yes, it's happening, industry is happening over there, but a lot of them are still back in the bush. They're much happier. I'll tell you what, they laugh. Laugh way more than we do. Oh, life is just a box of laughs over there. They laugh it up. It's simple. They grow food. They raise chickens. They eat pigs. Life is simple. They go to the you know, waterfall or the river to get their water. I mean, it's just awesome. It's as close to the Garden of Eden that I've ever seen. And one of the things that was interesting, was actually very disheartening, was that you'd be hiking through the bush, beautiful, like I said, the Garden of Eden, and you'd see trash everywhere. And you'd think, wow, I'm in the middle of this beautiful area, and here's a, a can, a man-made can, trash everywhere, and see... The New Guineans went in just a generation from, you know, using banana leaves as plates and, and you know, coconuts as jugs and gourds as jugs and whatnot, biodegradable stuff to, you know, man infiltrated. And it's, it, I'll tell you what, it is unreal how disgusting it is and how sad it is. Sad. But it makes you realize and it makes you understand the system, the system that they've roped us all into. You were born into a system that you didn't even know existed until you were, maybe or maybe even that when you're hearing this right now. That movie, The Matrix, it's the truth. We we live in a you were born into a matrix. A system set up since the beginning. 
a system that's been designed and refined since the beginning, right when we got kicked out of the garden. It's not God's system, I'll tell you that. God did not intend for you to get up and spend all your time chasing after the almighty dollar so that you could support a family and incur all these things and have to support this big nugget every month so that you have no time for him except for an hour on Sunday when you're thinking about other things anyway. That, my friends, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, is not how God intended it. This, the system that you are into right now, where you wake up in your sleep box, and then you get into your traveling box to go spend the day at your work box, only to turn around and get back into your traveling box to go home to your sleep box, only to sleep for a little bit to get back up to get into your traveling box to go back to your work box over and over again for decades and decades, all the while just creating more messes for you to clean up and more things for you to, more distractions for you to deal with, all the while, box after box, Sleep box, traveling box, work box, traveling box, sleep box, traveling box, work box, until one day you die and they stick you in a wooden box. Are you living the four box life? Is that what you're doing? There's more to it than that. And you say, well, oh my goodness. Is that what I'm doing? Are you preparing for the good, for the bad years throughout all your good years? Are you just a slave to this system? Being rewarded with their little trinkets? Thinking that you're living a free life when in fact you're a slave to a system? That's not, the, 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 that's not God's system. You're a slave to a system. And then when you're of no value to them anymore, when you're old and vulnerable and you're all spent... They kick you out and they call it retirement and they throw a gold watch at you. Thanks for your service. And there you just wasted your life. Nary a thought about God. It was something that you did on Sundays. Have you even read the Bible? Have you even read the Bible? I love the fact that I didn't read the Bible till this, this stage of the game because I don't get to say that from a standpoint of... I have. No. I get to stay and say that from a standpoint of how naive I was. That in fact, I let myself get distracted, or better yet, I distracted myself. I was, I was my own worst enemy. Wow, folks, I just had craziness bust out all around me, so it's perfect time. I'm going to take a little... Oops, they stopped. Yeah, they're doing windows in my house still. It's crazy. So if that happens again, I'll be more on top of it and have a song ready to rock and roll. See, that's the devil. See, I inter- I, it's funny because, you know, I was on a stream and the Lord was there flowing and bam, madness breaks out. What I do know is this, is Jesus is the winner. 
Jesus is the winner, and he's coming back soon. If you're not ready, you better get ready. If you're not ready, you better get ready. I know, I know where I was. I was talking about the four-box rule. I was talking talking about the four-box theory and how they've trapped us and how you're working for for the system, and they're going to spit you out when you're when when you're of no value to them anymore. It's, it, we're here. We're, we are literally living in the craziest age ever. You know, one of the things I've always believed since I was a kid is that the Lord had me born at this time for a specific reason, right? He placed me here in this time frame, right? Not when when it was cowboys and Indians. Not when Jesus was walking around. He put me here now. And I wonder why, 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 why did you put me here right now? But I know why. It's very simple why, right? Because this is the time, right? I used to be all sort of cocky and arrogant about the saving the best for last and all that. I, I used to think about, I used to have this really fun analogy that I thought was from the Lord. And maybe it is, and I'll tell it to you, but... You know, when Jesus is turning at the wedding and he turns the water into wine and the the guy at the end says, you know, I'm surprised because everybody usually brings out the best wine first and everybody's drunk and then we're drinking the the crappy wine at the end. But this is different. You save the best wine for last. You know, I want everybody to think about that because I really do believe that. And I don't think it's something that we can get cocky on and be all arrogant about saving the best wine for last. But what I do mean is this, is that if you're out there and you're listening and you are a watchman, if you're out there about the things of the Lord, you're doing his business, I want you to understand that the Lord set you apart for such a time as this. For this specific moment, you are taking part in the greatest time ever since Jesus walked the face of the earth. This right here is going to be so unbelievable. We are going to get to see this Bible literally play out before our very eyes. This generation, these days right here, we're watching it. We're watching Revelation. We're watching the books of the prophets as if it's a movie that we've, you know, been waiting for. We've been watching, we've been reading the previews for for years. But now, we're getting to watch the movie play out. It's a long movie, isn't it? Sometimes it's boring, I have to tell you, sitting here in this lull, but that's only because I'm being lazy, right? These lulls trip me up. When things get hot, man, I get energized. But these lulls, they trip me up. These lulls is when the world gets to creep back in and try to distract me. Here are some of the steps that I've taken. And again, I'm not trying to say, oh, look at me, look at me, look at me. I'm so special. I'm not special. I'm a pig. Do you understand? I'm a pig. I'm a pig. But the Lord is taming me. You understand? I'm his child, and he's trying to get you know me to understand how strong and how I have to deal with my flesh. And this is the process. This is the process. And... and Here's the progress that I've made. I don't watch TV nary at all anymore, right? We disconnected DirecTV. We don't pay for that anymore. Now we got a we spent 100 bucks and got we spent 100 bucks and we got a uh 
We got a a, uh, a heavy duty antenna. We got a just the basic channel. So in case we need to see something or watch some news, which you know, ha ha ha, news. But in case we need to watch some news. So there you go. There goes our. We don't have that hundred and twenty dollar bill every month anymore. But I don't even watch that hardly. It might be on the background here and there. Because you know what? My spirit longs and just thinks about and wants to talk about all the time, over and over again, things of the Lord. If I'm not doing my morning devotional, I'm, I'm researching things of the Lord. If I'm not watching something, a video to do with the Lord, a minister or a preacher... I'm reading a book. I'm talking about it. I'm thinking about it. It's taken it's taken me over 110%. It's taken me over 110%. There is nothing left. Or cuz that's what the Lord's doing in my life. He's annihilating my flesh. He's annihilating all the things that are trying to compete with him. He doesn't want to compete. He won't compete. He's not going to compete with things that are in your life trying to take space from him. He's jealous. You might kick and scream. You might be, you might fight. It might drive you crazy. It might drive you crazy. But let it happen. Let it happen. Let it happen. Let the Lord take over your life. Let him wash over you. And how do you do that? How did I do that? I'll tell you how I did that and how the Lord's doing that in my life. Through the Word of God. That's all I know. Is it's through the Word of God. Ever since I started pouring the Word of God into my life. Ever since I started to read the Word every single day. Ever since I got into a routine of reading the Psalms and Proverbs on a daily basis. Ever since then, my life has taken a dramatic change. I surrendered. I surrendered to the Lord. They have a saying in Alcoholics Anonymous, when you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. And the thing is, is I could wait for my behavior to change, right? Or for God to change my behavior. Or I could change my behavior. I could draw near to God. Because that's what it says to do. It says to draw near to him, and then he'll draw near to us, right? Are you drawing near to him today? Are you drawing near to him? Because the time is short. And if you're not understanding that, and if you're being distracted by the things of this world, it's time to pull your head out. It's time to look up. Pull your head out of the phone. Look up. 
I feel bad for people who have just started families. I feel bad for people who want more time here on this earth to build their little temporary kingdoms here, to have their little temporary whatever it is that they're doing. I feel bad for people whose mindset is there, where their mind isn't on the things of the Lord. It's on their things here on earth. It's all going to be burned up. Whatever you've done here, whatever you think you've done, whatever you think you have, it's not going to last. Not at all. My big concern is that people aren't even aware that there's going to be a decision made at a certain point in time for their eternal destination. They don't even understand. And it's our job to make them understand. And we can't rely on... You know, sometimes I get this feeling like I don't, I shouldn't do the radio show. Or things come up and I make, I find reasons to not do the radio show. Or things happen, you know, they do, they're doing windows or whatever. The lady downstairs has stayed home from work today and she's got her music cranked up. Or just every little thing to get me to not focus on the things of the Lord. And the bottom line is this. This is what the Lord has for me. Right here, right now. This is what he has for me. It's not going to be some big, giant, mega ministry where I've got $500 million coming in every year and all that kind of business. No, that's not in the cards, right? Maybe my card is that one person is going to hear my voice and they're going to be ministered to and the Lord's going to use me. And you know what? That's fine. That's just good enough for me. You know, make me useful, right? I don't want to be, I don't want to just get in by the skin of my teeth. You know, and that's the way that it's been going for years is that I've been trying to get in through the skin of my teeth or just do enough. I don't want to live like that anymore. I don't want to live like that anymore. I don't want to just get in. I want other people to come in. I want my family to see. You know, I'll give you a story before the top of the hour. I'll give you a personal story. Maybe you can relate. Hold on, I have to cough. So, my parents were divorced a while ago. Anyway, sometimes sometimes it's a delicate situation and I get pulled into the middle of things, you know, things that I shouldn't be in the middle of at all, right? But it happens. And listen, I love my parents. I love them dearly. My dad is the best. My mom is the best. I just love, 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 love them. They're the greatest, you know. Uh, I'm really sad that, that, that their marriage ended and all that kind of stuff and blah, 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 blah. But something happened the other day that just flipped my script and it caused me to move in the flesh. And had I moved where my flesh was going entirely, I would have made a mess, right? I would have, I would have caused problems and some relationships and whatnot. And and the reality is, is the course of action was for me to shut my mouth and pray, not get in the middle. But see, the devil's out there roaring like a lion, seeking to devour whom he may. Those snares are out there, you know. The sin that so easily entangles us. 
It's out there everywhere, right? And you have to be super careful. And thank the good Lord, you know, that I, that I didn't exacerbate an already bad situation, right? Because time is too short for me to be out there fighting with people. Forget about that. Because let me say this. If you're listening to this, you're at a much different level of your Christian walk than 99% of the people walking on the face of this planet. And when these things come upon this earth, the things that the Lord has consistently told you to be alert and be on the watch for, when these things come, you're, and you and me and everybody out there who understands the times that we live in is going to have an opportunity to bring in a massive harvest. Have you ever thought about that? Can I ask you a question? Knowing that the harvest is coming, are you are you sharpening your sickle? Are you getting sharp? Are, 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 you, are, you, are you a sharp tool for the Lord in this harvest time? Listen, we as a society, listen to that. The devil's trying to get through this show with all this crazy noise and all that, but that's fine. I'm going to relax. Praise the Lord. But have you noticed that nobody wants to hear about Jesus? I mean, almost nobody. And it can be really defeating. You can feel like a freak and whatever. But you know what? I, what I've realized is that it's not necessarily not necessarily for me to get out there uh, and run around and bash people with the Bible or whatever. It's just a matter of me to tell, you know, be cut from a different cloth, live to a different standard, and let let my life be an example. Jesus is always coming off of my lips, from the grocery store guy to the mailman to, to everybody. God bless you, all that stuff I, I've incorporated into my lifestyle. I want to be godly. I want to be righteous. I want to I want to model Jesus more and more and more and more. I want people to be saved. Because the Lord chose to speak through me. That's what I want. I want to be a total part of this harvest. I want to be successful in the law. I don't define success by the amount of money I have in the bank anymore. I don't even think about that. I don't even have a bank account hardly. My my success in this life isn't measured by the car that I drive. My success now, I've come to realize, is measured by how much time I spend going after the things of the Lord. Are you going after the things of the Lord, or are you still being distracted by the things of this world? Listen, time is short. Let me say this. There's going to come a point when you're going to end up possibly being in a really sticky situation, because it says even the elect might be deceived, right? If it were possible... Even the elect will be deceived. Is it possible? Is it possible? Are you fascinated right now with all this ancient alien stuff? Are you? What are you going to do when you start seeing spectacular things with your own eyes? You know, it's one thing to see the Norway light phenomenon on YouTube and say, wow, that's crazy, man, but it kind of looks like a movie and all that kind of stuff. But when you see it, with your own two eyes, 
when you see when you see things happen with your own two eyes, are you going to be in awe of those things, or are you going to be heading for the hills? Are you going to be on on super double red alert at that point? There's a great deception coming. You know, when I was a kid, I would think about the, this whole Antichrist, end of times, Armageddon stuff all the time. It was it was it was everywhere in my life. Six six six, number of the beast, all that stuff. It was everywhere in my life. In the music that I listened to, and the books that I read, it was it was where it was at. You know, that was fascinating stuff to us. And I always used to think, how are they going to get the world? to get this 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 mark how are they going to do that and you know way back when it's always had to have been an implant you know and one of the things that always made sense to me from as from a young kid was how are they going to get the world to be a one world government and i remember the lord showed me that in order for that to happen you have to stop thinking about yourself as an american or a russian or a Yugoslavian, or an Australian. You know, and there's only one thing that can unify this planet, and that is an alien invasion. When you start thinking of yourself, instead of an American, as an earthling, when you start thinking of yourself as an earthling, because, you know, the Neptunians, or the Martians, or the Saturnians, or whoever it will be, are coming... When you start thinking, when everyone, black, white, purple, green, Chinese, Mexican, whatever, starts thinking about themselves as an earthling, whoa, that'll unify everybody. You know, how how could they get us to do a, a mark? You know, how could they convince the world to do a mark? Well, they, I, I'll tell you what I didn't see coming as a child. I always saw that as a child, what they, uh, how they would get us to buy into a mark and get to a one-world government would be identity fraud, right? When they do some identity fraud, and they do something massive, let me tell you something. If you don't have your passport and your birth certificate and like 15 forms of identification and, and, and your old passport and all that stuff, it's going to be hard to prove who you are if we're still around. You know, depending on when the Lord comes back to, you know, snatch his church, You better have identification. You're listening to the Neptune Diaries. I'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, let's hear it. How do you feel? Ladies and gentlemen, the Network News Hour with Sybil the Soothsayer.
the chairman of the board of the Union Broadcasting Systems, and he died at 11 o'clock this morning of a heart condition, and woe is us. We're in a lot of trouble. So, a rich little man with white hair died. What has that got to do with the price of rice, right? And why is that woe to us? Because you people and 62 million other Americans are listening to me right now. Because less than 3% of you people read books. Because less than 15% of you read newspapers. Because the only truth you know is what you get over this tube. Right now, there is a whole, an entire generation that never knew anything that didn't come out of this tube. This tube is the gospel, the ultimate revelation. This tube can make or break presidents, popes, prime ministers. This tube is the most awesome goddamn force in the whole godless world. And woe is us if it ever falls into the hands of the wrong people. And that's why woe is us that Edward George Ruddy died. Because this company is now in the hands of CCA, the Communication Corporation of America. There's a new chairman of the board, a man called Frank Hackett, sitting in Mr. Ruddy's office on the 20th floor. And when the 12th largest company in the world controls the most awesome goddamn propaganda force in the whole godless world, who knows what shit will be peddled for truth on this network? So, you listen to me. Listen to me. Television is not the truth. Television is a goddamn amusement park. Television is a circus, a carnival, a traveling troupe of acrobats, storytellers, dancers, singers, jugglers, sideshow freaks, lion tamers, and football players. We're in the boredom-killing business. So if you want the truth, go to God. Go to your gurus. Go to yourselves. Because that's the only place you're ever going to find any real truth. But man, you're never going to get any truth from us. We'll tell you anything you want to hear. We lie like hell. We'll tell you that uh, Kojak always gets the killer and that nobody ever gets cancer in Archie Bunker's house. And no matter how much trouble the hero is in, don't worry, just look at your watch. At the end of the hour, he's going to win. We'll tell you any shit you want to hear. We deal in illusions, man. None of it is true. But you people sit there day after day, night after night, all ages, colors, creeds. We're all you know. You're beginning to believe the illusions we're spinning here. You're beginning to think that the tube is reality and that your own lives are unreal. You do whatever the tube tells you. You dress like the tube. You ate like the tube. You raise your children like the tube. You even think like the tube. This is mass madness, you maniacs. In God's name, you people are the real thing. We are the illusion. So turn off your television sets. Turn them off now. Turn them off right now. Turn them off and leave them off. Turn them off right in the middle of the sentence I'm speaking to you now. Turn them off.
Imagine that right now you're feeling a bit like Alice, tumbling down the rabbit hole. Hmm? You could say that. I can see it in your eyes. You have the look of a man who accepts what he sees because he is expecting to wake up. Ironically, this is not far from the truth. Do you believe in fate, Neil? No. Why not? Because I don't like the idea that I'm not in control of my life. I know exactly what you mean. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. That there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there, like a splinter in your mind. Driving you mad. It is this feeling that has brought you to me. Do you know what I'm talking about? The Matrix. Do you want to know what it is? The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. Even now, in this very room, you can see it when you look out your window. Or when you turn on your television, you can feel it when you go to work, when you go to church, when you pay your taxes. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? That you are a slave, Neil. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage. Born into a prison that you cannot smell or taste or touch. A prison for your mind. Welcome back to the Neptune Diaries, everybody. Welcome back to the Neptune Diaries. This is J.D. Hopwood. Wednesday, April 22nd, 2015. Can you believe that we're here? It's just shocking to me. It's just shocking to me. Are you awake? Do you see the playing field yet? Do you see it clearly? Are you doing what it takes? Are you cleansing your mind? Are you going through the process that you need to go through to get ready for what's coming? Are you spiritually doing your exercises every day, getting ready? Are you researching? Do you have any idea? People are going to drop dead from heart attacks just from seeing what's coming upon the earth any minute. And I mean any minute. Do you realize that every day I wake up, I literally expect to hear news that Israel has attacked Iran and World War Three has started. Do, do you realize that every night that I go to bed, I wonder, am I going to wake up tomorrow because of the calamities that are coming upon this earth? Are you, are you living that way as if today could be it? 
I wake up every day and think, wow, today's today might be that day. Are you being distracted by the things of this world? Let me ask you a question. In the morning when you wake up, what's the first thing that you do? What's the first thing that you think of? Are you spe- are you dedicating the first fruits of your day of the only asset that you ever really possess, which is your time? Are you dedicating that to the Lord? Are you giving him his homage first thing in the morning? Are you paying homage to the Lord? Are you getting into your prayer closet? Are you talking to him? How are you starting your day? It's not breakfast with food that matters. It's feasting on the word of the Lord. Are you doing that daily? I'll tell you what, if you I can promise you something right now. If you start to do that daily, if you start to feed on the word of the Lord daily, your life will change. My life has changed. My life is changing. Things are being purged from me. With ease, actually, with ease. There are a few clutters, hangers honors, hanger honors or whatever. You know, there's a few things that want to kick around. But the Lord's dealing with them. I'm not hiding from them anymore. I'm not keeping them from the Lord, trying to rationalize and justify. Just openly confessing my sin, keeping it ever before me. Like Psalm 51 says, you know, the Lord wants you to keep your stuff ever before him. It only gets tricky when you start trying to conceal your sin from the Lord. If you're still fighting with sin, that's a good place to be. As much as that sounds crazy, it's a good place to be. You're still in the fight. I know a lot of people who have given up. I know a lot of people who have surrendered themselves back to the things of this world. People who I never, ever thought would. People who at certain points in my Christian journey, I thought, this is my Christian brother for life, only to understand that no, not everybody's on this journey for life. Are you on this journey for life? It's a question you could ask yourself. I ask myself this daily. You know, the world is deceptive. It wants us to lust after it. It wants us to feast mentally on its things, on its jewels, on its shiny trinkets. I myself have been caught up in obsession more times than I can count. Whether it be a bicycle that I'm building or a guitar that I want to get that I'll never play or gear that I'll buy for an activity that I'm going to do, which is, you know, in my mind, going to take up all my time and change my life, like rock climbing or scuba diving. At one point in my life, I've been into all these different things. None of them long-term, none of them satisfying over the long run. All of them fleeting. The only thing that's ever been continual through my life has been God 
and the Bible and Jesus. That passion's always been there. I, I might have not wanted to mesh with it because I had sin that I still wanted to keep around in my life. But I realized if I waited to pursue my passion for the things of the Lord until I had the sin out of my life, I, I would die having never pursued the things of the Lord. How many times have I had a guilty conscience and stayed away from the Bible? You know, I'll tell you, I've had at certain points in my life the understanding of the Bible pulled away from me. Maybe you've had it happen to you too where you were engaged in sin, sinful lifestyle and became unrepentant. That's right. You can be engaged in a sinful lifestyle and be repentant. It can be a thorn in your side. It can be a perpetual thing. I know people who struggle with cigarettes. I've struggled with cigarettes. I know people who struggle with drugs. I've struggled with drugs. I know people who struggle with everything. I've struggled with everything. I've still been a Christian. I was only hurting myself. I wasn't I wasn't screwing God. I was I was hurting myself because the joke was on me. The joke is still on me when I engage in sinful behavior. It just creates distance between you and God and there's there's that time in that space when you don't want to go before the Lord anymore because you feel like a hypocrite and then oh boy, you might spend decades out in the wilderness like I did where the word is stale and it doesn't come alive anymore and you read it and it's just like dry toast. Ugh, it's like dry toast. I'll tell you, I woke up and realized that the word was like dry toast. And I realized that I needed to do whatever it took to get that word to spring alive to me again, to beg the Lord I said, okay, Lord, what what is it? And you know what? It, it's like a blur. I don't even really remember the time in my life anymore, really, before, before it all came alive again. It doesn't even matter because the word is alive in my heart again. It's alive in my mind again. My relationship with the Lord has been reactivated. I was listening to Michael from around the world and he said something the other day that I've always sort of thought about where it says that they wa they they wash their robes clean. It wasn't Jesus washing the robes clean for us. He gave us the ability to wash our robes clean, right? He forgave our sins. We just have to accept it, right? We we have to jump into the bath and let it happen. Right? There's a this is a process I'm telling you right now. I lived my whole life without ever understanding, because what I did is I put my faith in the hands of men, right? Just like the church does, is they put, people put their, their relationship has a hierarchy, and it goes them, their minister, Jesus, and then God. And, and their minister is not supposed to be in there at all. Nobody's supposed to be in there besides Jesus. 
How many of us have just gone to church on Sundays over the years, gotten that word and tried to live off of it for the week without having to get in there ourselves and do the digging ourselves and do any of the heavy lifting when it came to reading the word? How many of us have sat there and had the excuse, well, I don't understand. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Imagine if you used that excuse in school and you ran around and said, I don't understand it. You would have failed your class. This is life you're talking about, eternal life. Don't don't hide behind that excuse. Well, I don't understand it. I don't understand the language of the Bible. Well, ask the Lord to give you insight. Ask the Lord to give you wisdom. Ask the Lord to show you and to teach you. Let the Holy Spirit teach you. You know, I, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, I have eight Spanish books that have the entire Spanish language knowledge right there. And I want to get, as soon as I get into them, I say, oh, well, it's too hard. I have other things to do. Other things take precedent over me learning Spanish. Well, I've been saying that for seven years that I've lived in Miami, right? And I still speak the same level of Spanish I spoke when I first got here, which is un poco, hombre. I speak a little, which is not much. I can... I can pick out a few words as they fly by when people are talking. I certainly don't speak it, and it's because I'm lazy, right? Are you lazy? Well, your laziness is going to keep you from understanding and building a relationship with the Lord. You can say, well, I don't need the Bible to have a relationship with the Word, and I would say, with the Lord, and I would say, well, just keep telling yourself that. Keep making excuses for yourself. Listen, here's what I know. We're going to stand before the Lord, all of us. And it's going to be terrifying. Yep, you heard. You think you're going to stand before the Lord on on those day, on that day when we're all standing there and He separates the sheep from the goats? Let me ask you a question: Do you think that you're going to be a tad bit nervous when we're all sitting there mingling together, sheep and the goats? If you're a tad bit nervous, you need to do some some investigating and some due diligence down here right now. You need to, instead of working on your biceps, you need to work on your spiritual, on your spiritual life. Instead of worrying about the calorie intake, you need to worry about your word intake. Instead of thinking, using your devices to measure how many steps you took today. You should be contempl- you know, contemplating how many words of the Lord have you read today. Our perspectives, our priorities are so warped. I spent decades watching Law and Order. I spent decades watching TV, playing video games, partying with my friends, chasing, you know, pouring words of man over myself through songs and lyrics. I want you to be honest with yourself and and think, how many lyrics do you know to songs that are worldly songs, like Led Zeppelin or ACDC or or whatever? You know, Beyonce, Jay-Z, how many lyrics do you know by heart that you've listened to over and over again? How How many verses do you know by heart? How many psalms do you know by heart? Wow. 
Think about that. Think about like Miss American. Think about that song American Pie by Don McLean and all the words to that song. And how many of you old timers out there know all the words to that song? Or or all you n- new kids listening to Katy Perry or whatever. How many how many people know their lyrics by heart? But yet you don't know the, the word of the Lord. How many what words are written on your heart? Woo! It's tough love right there. I know because I had to I had to drink that medicine myself. I had to take that medicine myself. You know, the Lord showed me at a certain point in my life that there wasn't enough time to engage in the things of the Lord and in the things of the world. But if you if you think about your day and all the things you need to accomplish on a daily basis, you could easily substitute the worldly music for godly music and do yourself an eternal favor. Instead of throwing on the radio station, you could throw in some Jesus music. Instead of listening to Rush Limbaugh or Sean Hannity or Glenn Beck, you could listen to podcasts of preachers that are preaching from a prophetic angle, telling you the truth about the times that we live in, not this fluff and gruff stuff about uh, your blessed life now, your best life now. That's stupid. This is all going away, folks. You're not going to be measured by your toys when you go cross over. You're not going to be measured by your memories or what you did or where you had fun or where you ate dinner or, or what you, you know, how many likes you got on Facebook. That stuff's not going to matter. The Lord's coming. The Lord's coming. He's going to blow the lid off of this thing. He's going to rip the lid right off of this whole thing. Are you prepared for that? Are you ready for what's coming? Are you prayed up? Let me ask you a question. This is fun. I like saying this because people think I'm just crazy. But if if you look at the book of Revelation, okay, and we just get in there and we, we go to, let's say, let's just open it up and go to Revelation 9. And it says, And the fifth angel sounded. And I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. Now, let's just look at that for a minute. People can tell you whatever they want, but I'm going to tell you what I want, which is, I'm a guy who just reads the Bible and takes it at face value. I take it at face value. I understand totally that there's different levels of interpretation. 
There's multiple levels. There's dual fulfillments. There's all sorts of fun stuff. I get it. But this, this I take literally. This isn't one of those things that I have to ponder and think about. What does that mean? Well, I can tell you that John saw a star from heaven fall onto the earth. Have people been seeing stars fall to the earth? I think they have. You want to call them meteors or whatever, but, but you know, as far as John was concerned, that could be a star. Or maybe it hasn't quite happened yet. Maybe this whole CERN thing, this, this large Hadron Collider, maybe that's the key to the abyss. You ever think of that? Maybe when they power that CERN thing up and they, you know, whether it's an accident or, or, or they do exactly what they have, uh, what they intend, maybe they open up the bottomless pit. Do you, do you know that the Bible and all these books of antiquities, it clearly seems to me that this bottomless pit is located in the, in the earth, right? In the earth. Hell is in the earth. That That's what I glean from it. Now, can you imagine what's it going to be like if suddenly we're sitting here and on the television we see they're broadcasting literally, right? Something happens and they they zoom in. Imagine they've got a guy there and he's all like, hi, this is Brett Farr and I'm here and here we are, wherever it may be. And it's, you know, something terrible has happened and, you know, they're there covering it and there's smoke and then, you know, suddenly out of that smoke, these locusts come up, millions of them, and they just swarm and start stinging and it's live. What's everybody going to say? I mean, I'll tell you what they'll, they'll say is they'll blame it on. They'll say, oh, well, these things have been down there forever and it's just part of nature. And, you know, there's an air to, there's an element of truth to all that. It, they have been down there waiting for this moment, for this hour, this appointed time to come and do just what Revelation 9 says. Are you ready for that? Are you ready for that? I mean, it could happen tomorrow. They could pop a hole. That key could come, you know, be turned tomorrow. It might happen right now. We live in those times. Israel's a nation again. The world surrounding it. The armies of of Armageddon are, are surrounding it. I mean, open your eyes, people. It's time to open our eyes. This is the time that we're about to live in.
Remember, 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 remember about there. That door is about, about to be shut or anything. Do you think you think about this stuff? What are you going to do when they announce it? You know, we've had aliens. Better yet, better yet. Maybe they'll just announce themselves. They'll tell me it's how you're going to be in the end. This whole thing is going to be in the world. The train dreams and such and such and such and such and such and such. But see, I think, man, when I was on the back of that, they said, back, back, of who made the aliens? aliens? Who made these aliens? aliens? Right, right. No matter what they tell you, no matter what happens. Just remember, God said, Jesus. Jesus. And you're going to know it's Jesus Jesus. when he comes back. It's not going to be like me. This fake lake coming. You know, I hope you have ears to hear. I hope you have eyes to see. I hope that you're out there spreading this to your friends, to your family, to to everyone you can possibly connect with. We need to all be doing more, that's for sure. Teaching people about the cure. Teaching people that... Jesus came and died for them, telling them, spreading the word. You know, you don't know what kind of effect you're going to have. Believe me, God's a big God. He's got everything timed just perfectly. I'll tell you a story that happened to me not too long. Actually, it was Easter Sunday. And I'll, I told it before, but I'll tell it again. And that was at a very specific... I go out on my balcony every morning and I do my five Psalms, one proverb, do my little prayer and all that whole thing praise and da 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 and and I'm up and down the whole time getting coffee and all that stuff and uh my morning routine you know and and I there's people coming from the clubs at that time in the morning the, the clubs close late here at five o'clock or whatever it may be I think it's five and people walk home and the sun's coming out so this girl was walking by on Easter Sunday and she was drunk and she was she had clearly been there partying, and she was with a guy that clearly was there working. He was in a uniform, and she threw her hands up just as they were crossing by underneath my balcony, and she's like, praise Jesus, and he's like, shut up, and she's like, what? She's like, I'm not going to shut up. She's like, it's Easter, man. My Lord came and died for me, and he's like, you're drunk. You sound like an idiot, and she's like, so what? It doesn't even matter. He's my Lord. I'm going to praise him, and so... My flesh wanted to yell out and kind of like be be the knight in shining armor and all that business. And, but the Lord impressed upon me, pray. Pray for her safety. Pray right now. So I prayed and that was it. And then she left. And then the Lord ministered to me and he showed me. He's like, you know when you ask me, like, Lord, let me out of South Beach. Get me out of here. Lord, take, you know, put, put me somewhere else. Let me get out of here. I, I don't want to be here any, anymore and all that. And, you know, the times when you ask me, why am I in South Beach and all that? And it's like, how do you know that I didn't send you here just for that particular moment so that you could pray for this girl? That you'll never see, you'll never know her name, but you were out here. And I had a time just perfectly to have you intersect with that moment because she needed prayer. Because you don't understand how important prayer is. But she needed covering right then in that moment. Right? And you might think God's got it all under control, and he does. But, he, you know, he's got tools 
He's got a process. He's got a plan. He's marching people around. They don't even know that he's marching them around in every circumstance. Are you letting God march you around in every circumstance? So anyway, I saw this girl. She comes by. She's talking about Jesus. Some guy's telling her to shut up. I pray for her. Right? And then the Lord tells me, ministers to me, he says, you know, how do you know that I didn't have you here for this exact moment? And then Bridget comes out in the morning and she says to me, you know, I tell her what just happened. And she's looking at me and I'm trying to explain to her and, and how I feel purposed again and how the Lord shows me things and showed me just in that moment that no matter what, I don't have to be some big important preacher to be useful. Maybe that, that this was him using me in this moment, in this exact moment. And so anyway, she looks over my shoulder and there are three cops and they're literally leading that girl out of her apartment and that guy out of the apartment so that she could go back in and get her stuff. It actually escalated and got really ugly and somebody came and picked that girl up. And I'll tell you what, that blew my mind. That blew my mind because maybe in that moment, my prayer was the prayer that was used to intercede for that girl's safety on that part. Maybe her whole life changed. Maybe because her life changed, her life's going to change others. And because their lives are changed because of her life being changed, their lives are going to change others. And there's going to be this domino effect. And see, we never get to see that. We never understand how important we are. But it's that pay it forward thing that just goes and smashes through. If you can just get the message to one person, if you can be utilized to help one person change their life, you change generations. You change multiple lives. Are you letting the Lord use you? Are you letting the Lord use you? Let go, let God. You know, they say that name all the time. Let go, let God. It's hard to let go and let God. It's hard to let the Lord take over in every area of your life. And one of the things that the devil uses against us is he tries to get us to do it all at once. I encourage you, I admonish you, don't don't try to take it all on at once. Let the Lord be the Lord in your life right now. Start small. Start to sacrifice small things. Instead of watching four hours of TV when you get home from work tonight, watch three. Get an hour of, of prayer time in there. Read the Bible for an hour. Well, it's weird. I don't understand how to pray. Well, you want to know how to pray? I'll tell you how to pray. How how I learned how to pray was I pray I I went go read the Psalms, read five Psalms today. Read five Psalms and literally steal the words and pray those words, right? Pray them. Pray those five Psalms today. Pray them today and see what happens. See what the Lord speaks to you. You might only really understand two or three things in, in five psalms and one proverb, but pray through those. That's how you start talking to God. Prayer is you talking to God, having a dialogue with God. What is what is the word what is the Bible? It's the word of God. Right? Jesus is the word. Jesus will speak to you through that word. Start reading it, start pouring it over you. 
And you know what? You can say, oh, well, you know, blah, blah. I've tried that before. I've tried to use the Bible as my prayer thing. Really? Which part? Old Testament, New Testament, where, what? Was it this, are you, have you ever tried what I'm, what I'm suggesting right now, which is merely five psalms and one proverb on a daily basis to wet your whistle, to get your appetite wet, to get you actually straight with the Lord? There's power in that. If it can change me, it can change you. If you're somebody who's looking for a change, and you're looking for a holy change, if you're somebody who needs a touch of God in your life from a different angle that you're not getting because what you're doing isn't working, try this. Do it for 30 days. You've got nothing to lose. Listen, at the very, very minimum, you're going to have read the all the Psalms and all the Proverbs in one month. And if it didn't change your life, it doesn't. If it doesn't change your life, it doesn't change your life. It doesn't change your life. It doesn't change your life. I'll just give you one psalm today. Maybe two. But let's start with Psalm 108. Oh God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise even with my glory. Awake, psaltery and harp. I myself will awake early. Do you do that? I do that. I awake early. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people, and I will sing praises unto thee among the nations. I do that. It's changed my life, right? So I do this. I, I, just by reading this psalm, you're doing that, right? Just by reading that, you're praising the Lord. For thy mercy is great above the heavens, and thy truth reaches unto the clouds. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens, and thy glory above all the earth, that thy beloved may be delivered. Save with thy right hand and answer me. Are you crying out? Do you realize that you're the Lord's beloved? He has saved you with his right hand, Jesus. Do you realize that? Are you crying out to the Lord? Do you see how this is a prayer? Are you getting to talk to God? God hath spoken in his holiness. I will rejoice. I will divide Shechem and meet out the valley of Sukkoth. Gilead is mine. Manasseh is mine. Ephraim also is the strength of mine. Had Judah is my lawgiver. When you read through the Psalms and you pray through them, it will open your eyes to how the Lord works and how he wants to work in your life and how he works through David. Don't you think that would be helpful to understand? I do it. I do it daily, and it's changed my life, and that's all I can say. That's my Jenny Craig commercial for Psalms and Proverbs for the day. I do it. And it has changed my life. Another thing that I've done is I've incorporated this guy. You're listening to the Neptune Diaries. This is Ron Canoli. Everybody got that island attitude? Okay, here we go. It is not fun to see, not fun to see. Say, Tanu. It is not fun to see, not fun to see. 
Some of you are trying real hard. Okay, but you've got, you've got to get that island attitude, you know? Everybody say, Jesus is, Jesus is the winner man. No, not the wiener man. That's Oscar Mayer, not, you know. Jesus is the winner man. Jesus is, Jesus is the winner man. Jesus is, Jesus is the winner man. All right, here we go. Let's do it again now. Fuck 
chapter 10 it, it I don't know I've I've read it a bunch but this it never for whatever reason it jumped out at me and at verse 46 it says and they came to Jericho and he went out of Jericho with his disciples they're talking about Jesus and a great number of people blind Bartimaeus the son of Timaeus sat by the highway side begging and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more a great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Isn't that the way? Have you found that in your life? See, we tend to read these stories, these parables or whatever, not the parables, but we tend to read these and not relate. Right, we we see it as a poor blind Bartimus. Oh, poor blind Bartimus! But have you ever thought that you're blind Bartimus? Right, you are blind Bartimus. We've all been blind Bartimus. And when we heard about Jesus, he began to cry out. Right? Isn't that what happened when you when you heard about Jesus? Or did that not happen? Maybe your life and your Christian walk has been screwed up because you, you've never seen this, how I'm going to show it to you right now, right? Because there's a process here. There's a, there's a, there's a step-by-step process, and people can say, hey, you talk about steps, there's no steps. Yes, there's steps. There's a process. The process is this. Bartimus is blind, Okay. And he's a beggar, just like every single person who doesn't know Jesus, whether they've got a million trillion dollars or not. They're blind beggars by the highway begging. Okay? Now, here's the deal. Some of us, when we hear about Jesus of Nazareth, we begin to cry out. We say, Lord, have mercy on us. Right? Jesus, have mercy on us. Right? And then what happens? This is This happens to me. It still happens to me all the time. Many charge me and tell me shut up dude shut your mouth about Jesus right and many charged him that he should hold his peace right shut up dude I don't want to hear about Jesus right you know that's crazy right but what happens blind Bartimaeus he cries out the more a great deal did you cry out more a great deal did you did you when people came against you told you you were an idiot for chasing after Jesus did you actually chase after more and cry out more a great deal thou son of David Jesus have mercy on me are you crying out more right because then what happens right first blind begging he cries out people tell him shut up and he cries out even more and then right then Jesus stood still verse 49 it says and Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Did you see what just happened? 
Verse 49, and Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Ready? Check it out. What did I say earlier, right? You've got to choose to be chosen. So check it out. You might have to cry out twice. He cried out, not once, but twice. And then Jesus stood still. And what did he do? He commanded him to be called. You see that? He cried out first. Then Jesus called him, right? And they called the blind man, and they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise. He calleth thee, right? And he casting away, what does he do now? And he casting away his garment rose and came to Jesus. Boys and girls, brothers and sisters, everybody, have you cast away your garments? Have you, look at he, what does he do? Casting away his garments, he rose. First, he cast away his garments. Then he rose. So check it out, ready? First, he he cries out, have mercy, Lord. Then people tell him, shut up. He cries out again, have mercy on me. Then Jesus commands him to be called. Then people go to him, Right? And say to him, be of good comfort, rise, he calls you, right? And then what, what happens? He casts away his garments, he rises, and then he comes to Jesus, right? And when Jesus answered and said unto him, what will thou I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, go thy way, thy faith made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. So do you see, there's a process here. Where are you in this process? Where are you? Have you cried out? Are you? Have you cried out once? Have you cried out twice? Do you see this? Do you see this? Lord, I pray that you give them ears to see, ears to hear and eyes to see, Lord. Go read Mark chapter 10 and read about Bartimaeus. Read it, right? It's unbelievable. He's crying out. People tell him, shut up. He cries out again. Then Jesus calls him, right? And then people go to him. Do you see that? Just people, witnesses, go to him. Say, come on, be of good comfort, rise. And then he casts away his garment. Are you casting away your garment? Are you casting away your garment? Cast away your garment. This life, this life that you think you're living right now, it's nothing. It's a speck on the radar. It's virtually nothing. This life is a blink of an eye. And before you know it, you're going to be standing before God. Before you know it, you're going to be standing amongst a great congregation. Everybody from the first to the last. And Jesus is going to separate us. That's, that's before you know it, we're going to be there. Are you crying out to the Lord? Are you asking him for sight? Oh, the time is short, everybody. The time is so short. If you don't know Jesus, if you're not saved, ask him to come into your life and take over. Say, Lord, I ask you to come into my life and take over. I accept Jesus' work on the cross to save me from my sins, Lord. I accept that he 
I believe that he died on the cross to save me from from his sin, that he took the price, that he paid the price for me, that he took the hit. Lord, I ask that you just come into my life and take over, Lord. I believe that he rose from the dead as victor of a life, I mean, over death, Lord. I just pray that you just come into my life, Lord. Change me, Lord. Here it is. Here I am. Use me. Pray that with your heart in the name of Jesus. Ask the Lord into your life. If if you're there, if you're there, pray. Don't waste another minute. Because I have to tell you, he's got a job for you. He's got a job for me. He's got a job for all of us. The time is short. You know what? He's quickening lots of us. Our spirits, many, many people's spirits are on fire right now. Because they see the time that we're living in. It's time for you to take your life and lay it down at the cross. It's time for you to start living every minute as if it counts. Because it does count. How often do we sit down and take time out to relax? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands. How often do we waste these precious moments, these limited amount of moments? You know, one of the things that I do also in the morning when I do my routine of getting in line with the Lord is I read sort of the psalm highlights. And one of the things that it says that I, I've noticed and I love, it says, let's see, I'll find it for you. It says in Psalm 90, verse 12, teach me to number my days that I may apply my heart unto wisdom. Teach me to number my days that I may apply my heart to wisdom. Have you asked the Lord to teach you to number your days? Are you numbering your days and are you applying your heart unto wisdom? Do you even know what that means? There is only one wisdom. And that's literally the word of God. Pouring that over you, getting to know that thing as fast as you can and as best as you can. Ask the Lord to make that your only passion is to chasing after him, is to drawing near to him. Ask the Lord to make that your one and only focus and your one desire is to draw near to him. God loves you. He wants you in the kingdom and he loves everybody that you know. Every single person that you lay eyes on, every person that you look into their eyes, he loves them. And he wants them to be saved. He might just use you as that instrument. God bless you. I'll see you guys tomorrow, God willing. Lay it down at the cross, everybody. Lay your lives down. God bless you. I love you. See you tomorrow. Come down to the river. Come and let yourself in. Make good on a promise. Never heard.
Come lay on 